and see if he figures it out today. I haven't seen anybody in the water today. Oh, am I the kiss of death on that? Of course I am. Okay. Anything you can do, I can do worse. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second episode of the Chasing Par podcast. I'm your host, Cole, and along with my brother, Alex. And what do you have to say for yourself right now? Little, wow. Little USA, wow. USA. Yeah, I mean, USA, USA, but I think the first word that comes to mind is wow. I, I would love to say I saw that coming. Uh, I don't think anyone did. I think we knew it, you know, the internationals had nothing to lose, like we said last episode, but didn't see it playing out like that one bit. Well, I, I, I agree partially, and uh, I don't want to jump too much into this because we've got a full, full talking schedule here. So if you bear with us, we'll get to all of this. But like I said, USA, and uh, I mean, I know I was on the edge of my seat the whole four days. So a great tournament, great tournament. We'll, we'll get into it here more as we uh, progress through the show. Let's get some uh, the housekeeping out of the way here first. We'd like to take a moment to tell you about a great company, Honest Roots Design and Trade. Honest Roots is a small company specializing in handcrafted woodwares. Honest Roots puts an emphasis on sustainable products, meaning they are using premium quality wood that has been either recycled or salvaged. They specialize in cutting boards, charcuterie boards, wooden serving trays, butcher boards. Pretty much, if you can think of it, they can probably make it. Honest Roots is a small company that is owned by a husband and wife, and they have a sincere commitment to quality and sustainability. Go check our friends out at Honest Roots. Uh, check them out on Facebook and Instagram at Honest Roots DT. A uh, little teaser for everybody. We are also working on a, uh, a collaboration here with Honest Roots to create a golf-centric line. So stay tuned in the future. We've got some good stuff coming your way. All right, now let's get into it. Like you said, they had nothing to lose, and they gave us a showing. But the USA comes out with a win, 16-14 to 14 in the President's Cup. Yeah, it's – like I said, I think wow's the, the big word. This was fireworks for a couple of days straight. Um, you know, USA ultimately coming out with a win, which I think everyone thought was going to happen based on their prior record uh, in the President's Cup. But, wow, this thing was a roller coaster, and it got off to an ugly start. I, I – I agree with you 100%. That makes it eight in a row, though, for us, like you said. But it was a roller coaster. And on those first two days, I mean, the first two and a half days, really, it was not looking good for the American teams here. Uh, it's, the, it's the first time the USA has had to come from behind in the, in the President's Cup. And they, they put a scare in everybody. Uh, the international team had the lead going into the Sunday singles matches. And they, I feel like they truly dominated us in the first three sessions to include the four ball and the foursomes events. Yeah, I mean, those, those first couple of days were scary. Like you said, internationals were up 10-8 going into Sunday uh, singles. So the Americans had definitely clawed back. I think we were down 4-1 uh, after the first day of four ball. Uh, we got off to a really slow, bad start. Um, 
you know, Woods and JT went off first on day one, did their job, and then uh, the U.S. took a beating in the next matches. Uh, Cantlay and Shafle lost. Finau DeChambeau lost. Reed and Simpson lost. DJ and Woodland lost. That's just day one. There were casualties out on the battlefield. <laughs> I mean, we got, we're just limping back in. You know, you can say the time change. You can say the crowd. You can say the pressure. I don't think anyone saw us going down 4-1 after day one. I agree. The, the, big, the big one that stood out to me was the 4-3, and three, the Ustays and answer over Woodland Johnson. I thought that was going to be a team, to, a, a wrecking ball team right there. Woodland and Johnson, they hit it far enough. But they also have the have all the shots to go with. They have those stingers. Those things are going to roll out. And they got absolutely broke down on day one. And like you said, there were casualties on the battlefield. And there were not enough medics showing up on scene to start to patch people up here. It, yeah, it, mean, was, I, it was alarming. A very, it was an alarming moment where you're like, oh, oh, shit. What are we going to do? Yeah, they – little did we know on uh, day one, but – you know, you're talking about the DJ Woodland, Ustays, and Answer. Little did we know about the uh, the Mexican buzzsaw there. So I think, uh, yeah, it, it was a scary first day. Leads us into day two. We get into foursomes a little bit. Kucher and DJ lose to Usti and Scott. Answer shows up again with Leishman and takes down Reed and Simpson again. Um you know, I, I think the, the Americans came around a little bit here and uh, Cantlay and Shoffley took down Neiman and Hadwin. Tiger and JT paired up again. Uh, they take down Matsuyama and Hanan. And uh, they're, the, the tie in the last match there between Cameron Smith and M uh, with Fowler and Woodland, I mean, it still wasn't looking all that pretty. It wasn't, it wasn't confidence inspiring for the Americans after day two, I would say. No, I, I agree, and, and it's, you know, looking back on that day, too, you obviously have the fireworks that is the uh, I Love Me Some Me by JT and Tiger, the bromance right there that occurred on the, uh, was it the 18th green right there? Yeah, I mean, uh, dangerous to be quoting TL like that, but I'm, I'm all right with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, there's no, there's no star to dance on in the middle of the field or, uh, you know, none of that craziness, but it, it was it was an awkward kind of – I don't, I don't know how to describe it. It, was, it felt weird that he went to the T.O. line. That was his reference. Um, the the Kucher-DJ pairing was mind-boggling. It, I, I don't know. It like, uh, I believe it was said on the broadcast that, you know, Johnson or DJ couldn't put it into the ocean if he tried. And Kucher had a, has had trouble with the flat stick here lately. So that's an interesting pairing on day two, especially in, four, in foursomes where – the alt shots happening. I, you know, we'll get deeper down here and I've got some other uh, pairing issues to get up with, but that, I mean, that's like you said on day two, we're looking at six and a half to three and a half after two days of competition with on paper, what should be one of the greatest president's cups teams of all time. And uh, so we head into day three, which had the, uh, the first four ball pairings in the morning. And then they also had the foursomes in the afternoon uh, on day three, you had Fowler and JT beat, uh, how Tong Lee and Leishman and what appeared to be just a poop your pants moment for how Tong Lee in the front nine there guy looked yeah, shook. Yeah. How Tong Lee wasn't ready for any of this. I think it was the lowest ranked guy. Uh, I, I, I have some conspiracy theories. We'll take off the podcast on why Lee was included in this team. Um, I, 
yeah, I mean, playing out of turn and just being so shook like he was, uh, I've never seen anything like that. I can't remember Ryder Cup where we've ever had a scenario like that, and uh, not sure I've seen the President's Cup either. So that uh, definitely had Lee rattled. Um, yeah, just a weird moment for sure. And then uh, you have the the young gunners, the two, like you said, you have uh, the little the south of the border, Allen Iverson, the answer, and Sung J.M. <laughs> go out and take down Cantlay and Shoffley. Let's do a little foreshadowing here. You've got uh, Panamatsuyama assaulting Simpson and Reed early. And then uh, Hun, choice. Uh, excuse me, Ben on and Scott go uh, – you know, tie with Finau and Kucher, which I'm not going to lie, I like. I don't hate the Finau and Kucher pairing right there. Yeah, I mean, they're both – they're two nice guys. I can see them getting along well together. I I would agree with you. I didn't like the Kucher-DJ pairing. I'm okay with Kucher and Finau. But, yeah, uh, the morning session, the four ball on day three, a uh, little up and down for sure. I think there was some – you know, a good point um, had by uh, – you know, the, the internationals needed an, an answer, and M took down Canley and Shoffley, which I think was a little bit surprising. Um, but like you said, this answer, the, the south of the border, Allen Iverson, the Mexican buzzsaw, whatever you want to call him, this guy came to play. And then uh, just glossing over it, Pan and Matsuyama, they didn't beat Simpson and Reed. They destroyed Simpson and Reed five and three. I mean, this was not even close. So, yeah, things were looking ugly right there. Like you said, by that point, Simpson and Reed, this would have been their third time playing together and their third time losing. Um, yeah, that was bound for a breakup. I don't know. How, how many times can you go to the well with that Simpson and Reed pairing? The games, the games don't match each other. I don't think they meld together. I think it's two different personalities. Uh, we'll get into more of that here shortly. I mean, trust me, this is what everyone's buzzing about is this whole Patrick Reed issue. But it, the pairing just seems weird. And what's interesting to me is that Tiger, for the most part, kept that Simpson and Reed, that Cantlay-Shoffley, he kept a lot of these guys together with little to no success. I, I heard on the broadcast that Reed and Simpson played two under on one of the matches. Still lost, but that was the justification to send them back out again. I don't agree with it. Uh, I don't think that the – I think that you can pair – I mean, if, you, if you're going to go with – Simpson is going to babysit Reed or, or however you want to look at it. I don't think that's the pairing. Simpson and Reed are not going to mesh on the course. There's not going to be that vibe. There's not going to be able to play off each other. It's definitely weird, but like you said, they got demolished, and they looked like shit. Let's be real. They looked like shit. Uh, so that happened in the morning, moved on into the afternoon, and the tide started to turn just a little bit. Yeah, so, you know, big Gary gets out there with DJ – reuniting this pairing they take down scotty and usti which i think was a huge momentum builder for us right because af after the morning session of day three where the internationals are up nine to five things are starting to slip out of our hands so the u.s are definitely scrapping for points so woodland dj get out there take down scotty and usti that's huge Cantley and shoffley beat him and smith follower jt salvage a tie with answer and leishman we'll get to that in a little bit um, and then Pretty Tony, Utah Tony, and Kucher tie up with uh, Neiman and Hanan. Um, you know, the, the internationals lead is then cut to 10-8 after day three, which I think puts the U.S. in a very solid position looking at Sunday singles based on our lineup. Um, so I, uh, day three in the afternoon was definitely the, the moving and shaking time. What I found to be the most interesting on that second half of the day was uh, all the flood reports that were coming in around Melbourne. 
uh, with Woodland, DJ, and Scott, they say there was severe flooding all over the course from the female patrons. That was just a swagger fest for all three very good-looking dudes that just swing it down the fucking fairway. Again, the course got a little got a little soft, didn't run out as much. In all seriousness, that was a that was a great match, and I and that was kind of what I was looking for when I originally visioned the Woodland DJ thing. Two guys that could bomb it down there. It was a, it was a good match. The Cantlay Shoffley, this is where you started to see that that was paying off. They had won uh, once before that. But this was kind of one of those ones where it took it down to the wire and they M was on fire. Cameron Smith, I know in my, in my first podcast, I said, who is Cameron Smith? I know who he is now. I fully understand the guy can play some golf. Uh, that was a good win for them. The Finau Kuchar tie in the Neiman and Hunan one will take it. It's points on the board. But like you said, why don't you touch on the uh, – the Atlanta, the the Atlanta Falcons team of uh, yeah Fowler and it's JT. Hard to, it's hard to even equate this, right? So Fowler and JT, obviously quasi butt buddies. They definitely love each other as more than friends. They get out there. What do they, they do? That it. they do the Bahamas boys spring break or something like that. Him and yeah, uh, they're Speed boys, and... which is so. Good. I, I would say an overall good pairing. I think their styles match up well. I mean. Uh, JT is one of the top players in the world when he gets going and he's locked in. I think he's good tee to green. Uh, Fowler, when his putter's hot, can be a deadly. Um, and especially on these fast greens, I think had to, had to come up with a few big putts. So they get out there. They're five up through seven, right? They're going to walk away with this. That was a point in the bag. Five up through seven. And they end up blowing it and just tying with answer and Leishman. I still don't even understand how this happened. I feel like everyone, you know, this is the afternoon session. The Aussies had a little bit to drink. It was just a blackout uh, of how this actually came to be. Um, so a big tie for the internationals there. I, I still don't know, like I said, the, I don't know what happened on the back with Fowler and JT, uh, but it wasn't pretty at all. What's interesting, too, is that this thing was over so early that they almost – like hey, up here, you know, they just cut in and out. They didn't really follow the match. So you, all, all of a sudden, you're looking. They're five up. Now they're four up. Now they're three up, and it's it's a oh shit moment. And it speaks to the the fight and answer the buzzsaw. I mean, the kid was ready to play, and that you can't get on your laurels there and just sit and think you got it in the bag. So definitely, that will be one to look out for next year at the Ryder Cup if they're going to pair JT together and Fowler. Uh, we'll get more into our takes on each guy and how they played. Uh, but we'll cruise on over to the Sunday singles. So now, we're, I mean, we're at, what, 10 and 8? 10 to 8 after after three days of competition going into singles here. So, you you know, you come out right out the gate, and the buzzsaw with the big balls, he calls out. He says he wants Tiger. This was, what, about a month ago, two months ago, he calls out and asks for Tiger in singles. That is a big mistake. Yeah, that's uh, that's an amateur move. I love the kid's confidence, but – there's uh, the line between confidence and stupidity, and he ran right across it. He did the Iverson crossover, ran across it, and uh, you don't want the big cat in a pressure moment. I wouldn't touch the big cat on a Sunday to begin with. I don't even want to play cards with the guy. I don't want to have dinner with him on a Sunday. None of that. Uh, an answer, you know, he went toe-to-toe with him. Yeah, I think he put up a, a pretty good fight. I'm not going to say Woods demolished him. Um, no. But he definitely put him in his place. Tiger putting himself out first, which I absolutely love. Um, but, yeah, answer, you know, maybe bit off a little bit more than he can chew. 
Agree, agree. And, it, and like you said, he did go toe-to-toe with him. I think he brought it – he was down two. He brought it back to even. So the kid was there, hit that ballsy bunker shot there on, I think it was 16 or 17, close, answered Tiger. But like you said, you don't fuck around with Tiger on Sunday. And when he's wearing red, white, and blue, he's still got his red on. And I think those shade of uh, navy pants were a touch darker. I think it was bordering, teetering on red and black, but we'll let that go. But you don't want it. And, again, Tiger – with the cockiest move of all time before that putt drops, takes the hat off to shake hands. You don't want him on Sunday. Nobody wants him on Sunday. And I, and everybody's been saying it. We've been saying it. I, Tiger's back. Tiger is back. He is back. Watch out. You don't call it the big cat. You don't go for the top gun like that, but yeah, great, great match to kick us off. Uh, the Americans wound up taking six of the singles matches. So uh, Patrick Reed took down pan uh, DJ easily took down how Lee can't who still, who, Lee still had poop in his pants from the day before. So yeah, I don't I mean, hold it against how Tom Lee, but the kid was out of place big time there. Yeah, he was absolutely rattled. Just not a, not a good weekend for him. Uh, they, they only let him play a little bit. I mean, he's like the kid you bring in and growing up playing baseball that gets, you know, his one at bat and he plays right field and he just strikes three strikes right down the middle, maybe misses a ground ball on the outfield. It just was – it was set up for disaster. So I, f- I feel bad for the guy, but uh, glad that DJ took a point off him. Um, <clears throat> Cantley beat Neiman. Shoffley beat Scott, which I think was huge to take down Adam Scott in his own country. Uh, and then Simpson got the uh, last point for the Americans in singles against Hanan. Yeah, the, the Cantley was, you know, just solid all week. The kid hit some huge putts. And like you said, that win right there over Neiman who did not have the best showing, but, hey, a point's a point, and to be solid, and Neiman had him. The Shoffley over Scott, I mean, Scott was the rallying cry for them for the entire international team, I feel like, all week. He had the biggest crowds uh, for Shoffley to do that, who was, again, sound all week. Just that quiet comfort or that quiet confidence and presence that he's got was huge. And like you said, I mean, Webb Simpson, what did he beat him? Uh, what was it, three? by three, I think, or something like that. Yeah, he, he handled them pretty nicely. So the USA had uh, two losses. They had Woodland lost to Russell from the movie Up, or as we're calling him by his, uh, his official name, Sung J.M. And your boy JT lost to Cameron Smith in a heartbreaker because something seemed off with JT. I don't know. He played, he played all five matches over the whole, over the whole course, so he might have just been tired. Cameron Smith was playing great. He had a great read on the greens and how to play, but it just didn't – he didn't seem into it. It wasn't there. Uh, you also had ties by Finau and Matsuyama. DeChambeau, in his second action of the week, went after uh, a, a ill Hadwin. Kuchar cinch, or clinched, the, uh, clinched the victory there with a, with a hard-fought come-from-behind battle over Leduicus. And uh, then you had Ricky the Stick Fowler tying it up with Leishman. All in all, I mean, the, the Woodland to M1 doesn't blow me away. The JT to Cameron Smith, like I said, I think that's that's one of the bigger ones that you need to be alert, alert to. And I think the Kucher tying with the Ustazen was huge. I think that, that one was not predictable. Yeah, the uh, I, I would agree with you. I think JT just went up against a red-hot Cameron Smith. Uh, JT, like you said, had played four matches already before that. He gave us all. Those guys were battling down to the wire. I thought that was a really good match. Um, and everything else seemed rather predictable. Great, great half point by Kucher with some clutch putting down the stretch to clinch it for uh, the American side. 
And then Fowler Leishman was kind of an afterthought. Uh, you know, if things were still on the line, I think Fowler takes him down. He, he kind of gave him a putt on 18 that maybe jeopardized the, the win. But um, overall, you know, like a, a Sunday with the Americans come into it down uh, 10 points to eight, we grab six, we lose two, and we tie four. All in all, a pretty good Sunday. I mean, I think a lot of people, as the week started going, the confidence started building. So I think people were feeling much better on Sunday than they were the couple of days before that. So, um, yeah, I mean, from uh, start to finish, a great tournament. What do you have? Uh, I mean, there's so much to talk to you about. This, these couple of days felt like a month with the amount of storylines coming out of it, right? You could pick almost any guy out there, and there was some sort of story. There were guys with weird Band-Aids over their ears that we still don't know what they are. There was young guys stepping up. There was the old-timers dominating. What, uh, what do you have for big storylines? Oh, I think we, we would be remiss to not touch on, on the Patrick Reed situation. Uh, it was, that's prob- that was probably the biggest news of the tournament right there, in my opinion. You have a caddy getting into a physical altercation with a fan or a patron or a spectator. Uh, the report came out. It was released to uh, the Four Play podcast through Barstool Sports. It was a statement by uh, Kessler Calrain, the caddy and brother-in-law of Patrick Reed, that a guy told Patrick Reed essentially, "You fucking suck." Which, up to that point, I don't know if he fucking sucked, but he definitely did suck. So, let's not cut hairs here. But he says that Kessler jumps off the back of the golf cart and shoves the patron, spills a couple beers. Says he's going to pay for it. We end up having an issue, major issue. Now, I will say the Golf Channel hypes this up right off the bat. There has been an altercation, yada, yada, yada. I'm thinking Patrick Reed whooped Webb Simpson's ass because Webb Simpson didn't show up. That's my initial thought. Like, this is not going to go well. Patrick Reed's pass says that he's going to start putting blame on everybody. The report comes out probably 40 minutes to an hour later. Uh, It's, you know, that's a big story. Patrick Reed did play like shit for the majority of the, uh, of the tournament early on. Let's say that early on. I loved the shovel on the green. That was a huge moment for me. I thought that was great. Texting with you, I know you weren't a big fan of that. I think I'm lost on Patrick Reed. I was never a huge fan of him. I think the whole uh, Captain America has worn off. People forgot about that a long time ago. Just a quick rundown for all the listeners out there that don't know Patrick Reed. And I don't profess to know him at all. Let's just give you a few talking points before we even get into this. This guy goes to college, gets accused of both cheating on the golf course and stealing from his own teammates inside the locker room. He has tremendous family issues. He freezes out his family. His wife is nuts. She used to be his caddy. She then demands that her brother, who the one who assaulted someone, be Patrick's caddy. He agrees to it. Um... She also demands, uh, you know, who his swing coaches are. She kind of runs the show for him. Patrick Reed's a notorious complainer. Um, He's had multiple instances of this. And last weekend, the whole cheating scandal. Um, I don't get what there is to like about this guy, right? Like the whole Captain America thing doesn't do it to me. If I want to see Captain America, I'll go watch one of the Marvel movies. Um, I'm I'm out on Patrick Reed. So I think he played terrible this weekend until Sunday and that was my biggest fear that he was going to get a solid matchup and play well Sunday just try to try to win everyone's hearts over he started lights out on Sunday but before that I felt terrible for Webb Simpson I mean Cole think about this you this is a perfect way to put this right you and three of your buddies going out to play golf on the weekend right it's a foursome there's two carts you're one buddy that everyone's like "Ah, we like 
him, but he's a pain in the ass. He talks way too much. He thinks he's good. He's annoying, right? You guys come to choose some carts. That kid all of a sudden reaches out to you. He's like, dude, let's ride in the cart together. Your first thought is, God, no, I can't do this, right? I'm paying too much money to golf on the weekend. I can't sit with you for four, four and a half hours. It doesn't help my golf game. That's how I feel about Webb Simpson. Webb Simpson did not deserve this treatment. He was stuck with Patrick Reed, and I feel terrible for Webb Simpson because in no way does playing with Patrick Reed help your game. He's not a team player. He brings bad, bad publicity. He brings terrible fan behavior, and he's a selfish prick. End rant. <laughs> he's a selfish, selfish prick and rant. Great luck. I'm going to debate here with you real quick on this just for the sake of, of debating. I mean, the college they're, – they're all accusations from the college stuff. We know that he left the University of Georgia, went over to Augusta, won a national championship with that team, right? So, again, it's an individual sport. We're not here for the – you know, it is an individual sport 99.9% of the time. The family issues, the wife issues, we don't know the whole story. We have the accusations. We have the allegations. You can't, you can't hold that – can't hold that against him. I mean, I will say this. The Captain America thing, it might have run its course, to be honest with you. What's the guy? He, fucking one in nine or something like that since the Ryder Cup, since he, since he went on a tear with Jordan Spieth four years ago almost. So that might be up. But like you said, he comes out. He fucking takes – this is not a Michael Jackson reference, but he takes C.T. Pan out of Neverland and demolished him in a singles match, which looked fucking – I mean, it looked great. He played great. He had all the shots. I don't know if Webb Simpson got the shaft in this one, though. I can't say yeah, that I, I can't say that Webb Simpson played great or or his game severely decreased because he had to walk around with Patrick Reed. I think Patrick Reed, like you said, he's going to get that chatter. He's going to get that banter from the fans. You got to put someone that's going to ha- be able to handle it. I feel like Webb Simpson, if he hears the word "fuck," he he repents for it. Like, <laughs> you know, that t- he's that type of guy. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa! I mean, the guy had sunblock coated on his face looking like he was in the middle of a of a Japanese circle movie whatever they call that but Webb Simpson wasn't punished I don't think that's the I don't think that's the thing yeah I, I just felt bad for Simpson and to your points about Patrick Reed if you're constantly hearing bad things about a guy even if they're not confirmed right bad news follows bad people I'll just say that I, I don't debate for a second of how good of a player Patrick Reed is. I think he's a tremendous golfer. I don't think he has to cheat to be great. I don't think that's like – I wouldn't – you know, it's tough in golf because the rules are enforced by the players, so that's all you have is your honor and your dignity. I don't want to call him a cheater, but he broke the cardinal sin, right? It's cheating. Um, I think a lot of bad news follows the guy, and he does nothing to help himself out. Um, about the Webb Simpson stuff, yeah, I mean – I don't think Webb Simpson really advanced or, or advanced his case to say, yeah, I played so great, but I was really hampered by Patrick Reed. I just don't think it helps him having to put on the Patrick Reed backpack and trudge with him for the first couple rounds. Um, but yeah, Patrick Reed, mercurial player. Uh, I, I don't know where we go from here with Patrick Reed. I, part of me thinks there has to be a statement from him that seems semi-sincere. And it's just more of like, a, I'm sorry for my actions. This is not who I am. And I want to be better going forward. If he does that, I'm back on the Patrick Reed train. The problem is, I don't think Patrick Reed can get out of his own way. I agree 100% that Patrick Reed needs to come on the Chasing Par podcast, sit down with us, and get it all out there. If, hey, if you're listening, if you'd like to, you're more than welcome to. We would love to have you. But I agree. He has to 
release or has to make a sincere statement, give a sincere, open and honest interview of some sort, some way connect with the fans and say like, hey, it's been a rough four, five, six, going back however long years. The guy's been through a ton. But again, you have to be relatable or else, like you said, people are, you're just going to lose people. And he took a ask. He, he got it all week, all week. It was, you heard it on the, you could hear it through the speaker on the TV. He took it all week. So he needs to do something back going all the way back around. Uh, his caddy Kessler gets suspended or removed off the bag for that one day. And uh, Kevin Kirk, his swing coach, fills in as his caddy. And what is he, birdie the first five, six holes, five holes, I believe it was. So might be t- Kessler, your might your time might be coming to an end here, my friend, if you're gonna put Kevin Kirk on the bag. Yeah, I mean he, he did come out red hot. And I think with Kessler, and I, this is the part that bothers me. I don't think his a- actions were warranted, but at the same time, I think fans nowadays are getting a little bit too close, too involved in the action, and they don't think that there's any repercussions for what they say. I get that these guys are professional athletes and they're held to a standard of conduct, but as a fan. Right. These are people too. So if you're telling some guy to fuck off, he can rightly come back and say, fuck off to you back. It's, it's tough because he's in the professional spotlight. Um, I wish these guys would just take the higher road and make, make some sort of smug comment back. Like, Hey, thanks for paying money to come see me play. Um, I don't come to your job and pay money to watch you sort the mail at the office. But um, I, I think the fans nowadays are just getting a little bit too comfortable. There was some talk about, you know, the, uh, the Australian crowd being too rowdy get over that every tournament's rowdy regardless of where it is in the world i mean we're playing the u.s open in new york i've never heard worse things said um so to think that it was an overly rowdy crowd does not justify this i just think the fans and it's not a golf problem it's a sports in general are are just getting too comfortable with what they say and how they interact with players i agree 100 percent. is that it was i thought this royal melbourne was a fantastic host for this type of event like you like we said it was you, ha- you could hear the banter. You could hear the chatter. You could hear them getting revved up. You could hear them. I, I loved when they would try to – if they miss a putt and they try to make it again, they'd miss and the, the fans would let them have it. You're right. We, it's no worse than being in New York or Boston or any of these other major cities with these type of people that are going to cheer and, and banter and all that stuff. They're, be a pro. You're a pro. They're there. It's fun. This social media day and age, everything's on film. Everyone's trying to have their moment. So I don't think it was bad at all. I know Tiger said it had to be respectful. I didn't hear a whole lot. I mean, if we're going to say like, hey, you're going to get a sandwich in four hours, great, perfect. That's funny. I laugh. You know, 14, 14 clubs and a shovel, that's not bad. Now it's when you encroach on that person's personal space and, and try to get close and stuff like that. Kessler did, I think, what he's supposed to do, protect his guy. He got up in his face. He didn't put from our, our understanding, all reports say he didn't punch him. He shoved him. I mean, like you said, you've got to protect your guy. At the end of the day, it's his, that's his boss as well as his brother-in-law. The fans have to know that the, that the line is there, but you're right. No one's paying to go watch me at my job, you at your job, or, you know, the guy bagging groceries down at Kroger or wherever you get your groceries bagged at. So going back on that, though, I thought Royal Melbourne was a fantastic location for this event. The course was beautiful. I never got bored of seeing it. Uh, I thought one of the coolest things was watching these guys lay up short and run the ball up onto the green and watch it run. It was playing firm and fast, which is great. We don't see a whole lot of that in America. You see a lot of aerial attacks, stop and spin it back a little bit. They were hitting ridges. They were finding curves. They were finding everything. It was amazing to see. And the crowds were fantastic. I, I was very impressed with the sports fans and the course down there. What was your thoughts on that? Yeah, Royal Melbourne was phenomenal. 
I want to go back. We need to have something else back there because great host. The, the layout of the course is absolutely beautiful. A lot of undulations. Everything was rolling in every different direction. Ton of like kind of false fronts and a, a bunch of sucker pins to go at. I mean, these greens were lightning fast. So yeah, the, the traditional game we're used to seeing on the golf channel, the kind of high drop it in, leave it right around the pin, wasn't going to happen, right? These guys, like you said, are laying up, kind of rolling things up and into pins. I thought it made for an unbelievable weekend of golf and was uh, like nothing we've ever seen before. I agree. And it was, it was great to kind of watch the Americans learn that, that style of game because we're so used to, like you said, seeing an aerial attack, dropping them from high up. I'd say around, like I said, after that third round on the on uh, this, what was Friday for them. Again, that was the other interesting thing. They're playing Saturday. We're watching Friday night, so the primetime golf was fantastic. But they figured it out kind of in that in that uh, foursomes match where it was like, hey, let's let's let let's run it up onto the green. Let's play the contours. Let's let the balls roll out. It was great to see the Americans start to learn that and see them be able to execute it. Again. I, I agree 100% get something back at Royal Melbourne. This needs to happen more often. Uh, another big, uh, another big uh, talking point for me was seeing Tiger sit on Saturday in the, uh, for both matches on Saturday. Tiger stated that he was, you know, getting – he jokingly said, well, I'm older, I've had injuries. He was sore, he was stiff, and he had to do what's best for the team. Tiger was the only – it was the team up until that point. I, we, you know – Hindsight's twenty twenty. It's easy to say now, well, it was the right choice. But at the time, I'm thinking, Tiger, you need to be playing. You're sore. What You need to or at least play one of the two matches. But I think that was a big, big telling moment right there that I think had things gone the other way, we could look back at Tiger and say, you know, what were you thinking on that Saturday not playing with – you were the only one that had, you know, really made points up until that point. Yeah, I think kind of – two-pronged approach there one I think yeah there's definitely an element of rest both physically and mentally for him because he had been leading the charge so I think a lot of people were in the same boat like wow we need this guy out there like he's he's all we've got the other side which I think is a sneaky great move by Tigers to remove yourself from the competition that actually shows your team you have complete confidence inside of them right so there was a bunch of guys who weren't feeling so hot I think Tiger saying hey you know what I'm going to take myself out the hottest player of the weekend right and I'm going to put you some of you other guys in. That's a huge confidence and ego booster for these guys. So I thought it was very well done by Tiger. Obviously, in hindsight, it looks great. At the moment, I was scratching my head nervous as hell about it. Um, but I think it was a great captain's move, him thinking unselfishly and not trying to take on too much. Uh, and that's what, a, that's what a great captain should do. I think that I, I agree. And I, and I think that we saw two very good captains this week. Uh, both in Tiger Woods and Ernie Els. I think Ernie did a fantastic job coming in in his first time as the President's Cup captain. Uh, there was a lot of talk about him creating this, this logo, this flag for the international team. You could tell between the guys that there was that bit of camaraderie that has lacked in the past, like they spoke about, just being that they're all from multiple continents all over the world. I think, I think Ernie did a great job. You saw a lot of Ernie on the greens helping read putts, on tee boxes, getting in the players' ears. Uh, I know that how Tom Lee walked up to him after his first tee shot and said, did you really just hit driver there? It played out well for him. But I think that uh, Ernie did a great job, a great job as a captain. And it, it'll be interesting with the international side because they seem to go back to the same captains, not a rotating captain, but they'll let the same captain go, you know, two, three, 
events in a row. Uh, but again, I think I think Ernie did a great job this year. Hats off to him. He ran a, a, a really good competition and he put his guys in a position to win there, which is, you know, better than most years that we've seen in the past. Yeah. Well, hats off to Ernie Els. Great, great job leading that team. I think you nailed it on the head. You kind of stole my talking points there about it. So yeah, two great captains, great matchup overall. Um, I, I think some of the other interesting storylines of the weekend, at least for me, Bryson DeChambeau. The beast. Was he even on the team? I saw him in the stands. I don't know if he was just spectating or what. And he doing typical Bryson things like, you know, trying to like hang on the fence and dance and then doesn't know any of the words to the song. He's that guy at the party. But, yeah, I don't know what's up with Bryson. Yeah, you know, I like these guys that just are – are just do their job and don't make much of a scene that suck. He's not one of those guys. He makes too much of a scene and he sucks, right? Like if you're not playing well, go get on the range or do something. I don't want to see you in the public eye. Um, this guy has not fully grasped the whole team competitions style yet. Um, I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's a him problem or just a format. Um, but yeah, he, he struggled this weekend. I think he was 0-1-1. I uh, didn't play a couple of the matches. Uh, did not look good. Did not look comfortable. Obviously, was bulked up, like we said. Um, I'll chalk this one up to the time difference for him. But, uh, yeah, just an overall poor showing from DeShamba for a guy that's an up-and-comer. I, it's a weird thing to see Bryson DeShamba, who's won multiple times on tour. He has been a force. He shows up. He doesn't look comfortable in his body right now. There's something about the way that he carries himself. It doesn't look comfortable. He doesn't look ripped either. He just looks bulky. Uh, I don't know. I've got a vibe of Phil Mickelson here. Like, it's a Phil Mickelson vibe. He's there. He likes to wear the colors but doesn't really want to be part of the team. It's kind of that vibe. It's, and, again, he qualified for it. He played in two, He played the first day. No. He played two matches. He played what did he play the first day? Excuse me. Yeah, he, him and Fino lost on the first day. On the first and then, day, and then he didn't play till singles again. And this is a guy that's a top fifteen player in the world right now, and he can't get it together. He goes out in the singles match against Adam Hadwin, who admittedly is sick for the first, you know, for multiple days, didn't play the day before, and kind of like hangs on with him. He Bryson had a couple big uh big putts there early on. I mean, the, the telling sign was Bryson on the 18th tee box. People are, are chattering and all that, and he gives a whistle, like a shush, like your mom says, like, you know, it'll make me pull this car over type thing. Got to get – come on, Bryson. You've got to be better than that. I don't know what's up with him. It'll be interesting to see where he goes this year forward to see with this new body, this new body style. So that'll definitely be interesting. One of the other big talking points that I think needs to be spoken about is the, the youth of the international team here. Guys like Sung J.M., C.T. Pan, fucking answer. These guys, are these guys going to be contenders on the PGA Tour in the next year, two years, three years? Yeah, I mean, these guys look impressive this weekend, uh, both in, you know, kind of like team play and in individual singles matches. It's hard to say if these guys are for real, right? Different style of golf down there. Um I would, I, I hope so, right? Because we're trying to grow the game both uh, from a United States perspective and globally. I would love for these guys to start getting more and more involved and make the game more global. Um, so I hope so, right? It, it's, it's always tough to make a judgment off one tournament, but 
to think that a guy like Answer can keep up that kind of pace, no, I don't think so. But I think this guy can contend in, in a few big tournaments, maybe in some of the majors, uh, and, and kind of make some hay on the tour. So uh, I agree. Sung J.M. was the rookie of the year this past year. Guy played in something, I want to say like 35 events, didn't play in probably five or six events on the PGA Tour. He is a fucking machine. His swing is a machine. Uh, they talked about it on the broadcast. A lot of amateurs could, could take notes from Sung J.M. with that slow, deliberate backswing to make sure that their hands are set. I think he can be a force, a force. Uh, answer, look. I mean, he had all the shots. He had every – he didn't back down against anybody. I think that we're kind of seeing where the President's Cup's going to go in the next four to six years. These young guns are going to come out, and they're going to be established, and the Americans are going to be hanging on a DJ who's hovering at 40. You know, all these guys that are young and hot right now, these young kids coming up from the Asias, the South Americas, the Mexicos, they're the ones you're going to have to watch out for. So – I think that was a huge telling moment here to see these young players. A couple of them, I mean, had they had a rough go of it. They they didn't perform the way that we want. You know, the Hao Tung Lees. Ben On was kind of messing around up there, dabbling. Joaquin Neiman had a tough week, but has won on the PGA Tour in the past. Um, I mean, you're just looking at the 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 age. The average age was considerably lower. I think another thing that we need to talk about is the uh, the other players on the international team, the more established ones. I mean, the big Izod closed it out for him on the singles match and had a record for the whole – it was one, two, and two. Leishman didn't really show up in his home course. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised. Uh, I thought the Australians would have had a better showing overall. Um, I – yeah, it just wasn't clicking for them. Cameron Smith, obviously a young player, went one, one, and one. Leishman went one, two, and two. Uh, Scotty went two, two, and one, which is eh, just decent. I thought these guys would have dominated. I would imagine these guys have way more reps playing Royal Melbourne, much different style that they should be used to. The home crowd, I mean, they had everything going for them. I think that those were really the keys, and I think we said that last week. A key guy is Scotty to lead the charge. I think he, he did well. Um, I just would have expected a little bit more out of him. Agree, agree, and and it's like this: the Cameron Smith, he had his moments there where he really shined. I think Scott was was just solid the whole way through. Like you said, didn't play great, didn't play terrible, but was just that solid stable right there. I thought Louis Pritt played great for the internationals the whole way through. Uh, you know, it's I think like I said, in the next four to six years, we're going to be on the same kind of train right here, where we're biting our nails, waiting to see what happens going into Sundays. Uh, it was interesting because. This is usually not how it goes. Usually you don't see these international players playing with a, you know, a combined fight for the same cause. So I think these young kids coming in, coming up, are going to be a big, big, uh, big rallying cry, if you will, for the international teams going forward. Any other uh, storylines you wanted to talk about here? The only thing that kind of grinded my gears a little bit, so I got to just vent for a second here. Due to the style of this tournament, right, we're in match play, right? So there's a concept of gamesmanship, guys giving each other putts, making each other putt things out. I get it, right? There's sometimes you're trying to mentally get in a guy's head. Sometimes you're trying to get a guy so comfortable by giving him so much in the hopes that he misses something down the stretch. If putts are for the hole or to tie a hole, yeah, I'm going to make you putt that unless it's like an inch or two, right? And I saw – 
I saw JT, who at times can be a little bit of a mental midget throughout his career, right? He's complained about fans. He's tried to kick people out before. I'm a huge JT guy. I think when he's dialed in is one of the best players in the world, but there's a mental aspect that he's a little bit of a midget about. Um, I saw him complain here. You know, he laid the putter down to show that he was inside the length of the putter. It doesn't matter. I'm going to make you putt that out. I, I can't blame these guys for, for kind of messing with the other guys and making them make important putts for points. I agree 100%. And I, I like that about it. Challenge him. Like you said, make uh, – you're going you're gonna to miss. You're not going to make it every time. Six foot, eight foot is not a 100% make. I mean, yeah, you're a touring professional. You should make that. But it, like you said, it's gamesmanship. Put him on the spot. Let him feel the pressure. And in that moment, you did kind of get in his brain there. You did rattle him a little bit. So good on the, uh, good on the, the international team. Yeah, I mean, think about – I mean, you watch it. The, how many putts didn't even hit the hole this week because the, the greens were fast as hell. The, the breaks were impressive. I, like, there was a point where Tony Finau couldn't have hit the ocean from a boat, it looked like. I mean, he was pitiful with putts. So, to think that these little three-foot, two-foot sliders would have been given is just – I wasn't a big fan of JT complaining and laying down his putter. I'm all for guys being competitive, and I love the gamesmanship, but just bury the putt and move on. Exactly, exactly. And it, there was a lot, a lot of little banter, little quips, little little chatter, a little, you know, going after each other. There's a report out there that uh, Patrick Reed gave, you know, intentionally bumped into Cameron Smith when crossing over from another, another hole to another. I don't, I don't hate that, though. Like, it's a competition. We are in it to, we're in it to win. Show me that fight. Show me that you want to be here. I like it. I don't hate it. I wish, kind of wish there was more of it. That's what I think makes golf fun. You see that? playing on a Saturday or Sunday with your buddies. You're chirping each other. You're really going to make me put that out? And 99% of the time when you do make that guy put it out, he does miss. So I like, I, you know, I like that whole gamesmanship. I like it all. So I think that's going to wrap it up for this week here. I think that was a good breakdown. Again, the USA comes out with the victory. Great win by Team USA. Great job by uh, Captain Tiger Woods. Great to see Freddie Couples out there looking dapper as ever. I really didn't. I loved watching golf, competition golf, the match play golf, where it was one-on-one. -on -one. I thought it was great. I think we should do this every weekend. I'm super excited for the 2020 Ryder Cup up there in Wisconsin. Uh, so, again, applause to all. Hey, the international team played great. All in all, it was a great competition. And, like I said, we're looking forward to the 2020 Ryder Cup. Uh, make sure you check us all out on Instagram at Chasing Par Podcast. We're putting out content every day. Communicate with us. Let us know what you want to hear, what you want to see. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, keep an eye out on – we should be dropping these podcasts. Should be showing up here on all your major platforms. Again, reach out. Let us know. Check us out on Instagram at Chasing Par Podcast. Again, we want to thank our presenting sponsor, Honest Roots. Check them out as well on Facebook and Instagram at Honest Roots DT. And we will see you all next week. Thank you again. Thanks for rolling with us. It's been a good one. Keep chasing.